When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we're joined by Mitch Light. He covers college football for The Athletic. He was a graduate of Vanderbilt, and he has also served as the sideline reporter for football games, so he's well-versed with all Vanderbilt athletics. We talk about the latest uh, surrounding the Vandy boys. We discuss their game last night against North Alabama. We also look ahead just a little bit to Ole Miss down in Oxford this weekend. We've got all that and much more coming right up with Mitch Light here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Let's ride. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome back into the Door Report, presented by Alaco Finewood Floors. It is episode 83 on a Tuesday night. This will be posted on Wednesday morning, but recorded the night before, May 11th, 2021. It's amazing how far we are already into 2021, just thinking about it. But, Will, we're finally back with a podcast. We got... Um, you know, it's been, I think, two weeks since we've been on here together, but it's good to be back and don't have a ton to talk about, but the Vandy boys are, are rolling. And this is, this is the seat. This is the time of year where Vandy fans really start, uh, you know, making their presence felt and, and the whistler starts waking up as well. So it should be a fun next few weeks. Yeah. The dynamic duo is back together, Billy. It yep. was, uh, two weeks ago, I think I recorded alone. And then last week, unfortunately I was unable to join. So you were you were so low, so we're back here, and uh, it's that weird lull in the season where you're getting really, really close to postseason baseball play. It's feeling like the games are about to be getting really tight and really starting to matter even more than they do right now, and you're just looking forward to that, but not trying to glaze over these last few series that will be no. key in the national seeding for Vanderbilt. Yeah, certainly will. I mean, down in Oxford, it was an insane atmosphere. We're not going to reveal our guest for for later this week yet but but y'all are gonna love it we'll we'll keep it at that so vandy Ole miss coming up we'll touch on that but first we will recap the alabama series uh it was i mean if you call it a series it was two games uh, unfortunately they weren't gonna, able to get that third game in there's a little bit of controversy some alabama fans were not happy even some mississippi state fans chiming in saying hey that's that's uh that's gonna hurt Vandy, but we'll see how much that impacts them. They did get a win tonight uh, over at North Alabama, three to two. We'll touch a little bit on that, and also we'll wrap it up with Mitch Light from the Athletic uh, a little bit later in the pod. But before we get to breaking news, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, go give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. All right, Will, it's time for breaking news. Today's breaking news is brought to you by the Recycling Dudes. You may ask, who are the Recycling Dudes? Well, 
their brothers Graydon and Chapman and their dad. Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter living in Westmead. The recycling dudes recognized the need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at RecyclingDudes.com. All right, Will, it's, uh, like I said, it's been a while. We got the band back together here now, but it's time to talk a little bit about the Vandy Bama series last weekend. And uh, it was a wild one Friday night. I don't know how much of you got, you got to watch, but I, uh, I watched a little bit of the end and, and I, I was lucky enough to see Enrique Bradfield's bomb uh, late in that one. And he, uh, he was letting the Bama dugout know about it with a big old stomp on home plate. They took game one, just barely uh, Vanderbilt was led by four home runs and one in particular was very special. Obviously, Bradfield hit his first career home run as a Commodore. He went four for four, five RBIs. He scored two runs. I mean, Will, I think every time, you know, something happens, we, we tweet the video. This kid is a machine. The man is a machine. The man is a machine. I mean, he, he's been the MVP of this team, and I think, he's, I think he's getting up there with player of the year in the SEC. I'm not even kidding. The impact he has on these games is, is, is crazy to watch. Yeah, he's, he's everywhere. I mean, the man is Literally. a machine, and I think uh, I don't. I believe you put out the tweet on the Door Report account that said "Stomp on that plate, Enrique," yeah. <laughs> and it was great to see him uh, get one over the wall there. It almost looked like it kind of surprised him that it carried yeah, out yeah. over there, but it, it seemed like a normal pop fly in the right. Yeah. <laughs> He was but, able I mean, to get you, I love how you throw in there at the end. He also happened to go four for four with five RBI, yeah. RBI scored two runs, you know, no big deal. Little, a casual game for him. Yeah. <laughs> but he, I think he's probably slowly becoming one of the favorite all-time Vanderbilt baseball players really oh, rapidly yeah. Um, yeah. for for a lot of Vanderbilt fans. And, and that's saying a lot because there have been quite a few likable faces over the last few years. So anytime you're talked up, and I believe at the beginning, everybody was like likening him to Tony Kemp. Yeah, dude. Um, I, I think I, he's 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 differentiated himself throughout yeah. this season. I don't want to say above, but differentiated. We'll use that phraseology there for you. <laughs> we'll really. use that. We'll use that. Yeah. I might go above if we see a little bit more <laughs> this weekend in Oxford. But uh, Kumar Rocker again, Will, he's 11-1 and one now. Uh, he had a wild night. Um, it wasn't his best night, but he, he, he was able to get the win. Final line, 13 strikeouts, six earned runs, five walks, and three wild pitches in five innings. So he's a little bit um, you know, unorthodox, not unorthodox, but inconsistent, I guess you, you should say in that one. Uh, but he did move into a tie with Jim Gibbs. I don't know if you remember him, Will, but he was probably of the time before Tim Corbin when Vanderbilt baseball was an afterthought. But Jim Gibbs uh, was passed by Rocker. He moves to fourth on Vanderbilt's all-time wins list with 25. So he's getting up there. I'm sure he'll get up there with uh, with Price and Grayson Garvin and, and even some, you know, Sonny Gray, who knows how many, you know, I mean, he's got to pass three more guys, but who knows where they're at. They might be up in the, in the forties uh, for the all-time wins list, but well, again, it was, it's just kind of shaky pitching. You know, like I said, a little bit in game one and then in game two, uh, you saw a little bit better performance from Patrick Riley. Uh, I mean, he's throwing smoke. He's getting up there to 96, 97, and the guys can't – they just can't lay off because it's up at their eyes. I don't know if you ever played baseball, Will, but that's a hard pitch to lay off. Uh, and, and, you know, playing in high school, it, it, I, I can attest to that. So, for Patrick Riley, if he can step into 
some sort of a middle relief type of guy or even step into that game three role because he, he showed a lot against Alabama. That'll be big for them because, well, I mean, we all know Vanity's going to go as far as their pitching takes them. You know, I mean, we, we've talked about it all, all season long. The hitting will do enough, but will the pitching, how long, how far will they carry him? I think that's the question a lot of people are asking. Yeah, Billy, I, I definitely did play baseball, and I can tell you one thing. My dad is sitting there somewhere right now yelling at me to lay off the high cheese. Don't swing at <laughs> eye level. So, um, But that that is uh, definitely something that if, if Riley can bring consistency um, and a third consistent starter, and, and I do say consistent, and I want to put quotations around that because we saw Rocker come out and not have a consistent performance yeah. there. And, and when you take a look at that stat line that he had, it would be really hard to to figure out what sort of game he pitched just oh, looking yeah. at that stat line because I believe um, it was that he'd struck out ten batters in the first three innings and and yeah. that's not a and I didn't misspeak not there bad. he did strike out ten <laughs> batters in the first three innings for nine outs um, because one of the runners did reach first base so this this pitching staff has all the talent in the world um, they're likely and I don't say this lightly the most talented overall. And I will say this, even including a bullpen that has been struggling, probably the yeah. most talented pitching staff Vanderbilt has that, ever had. That's the crazy part about it, I think. Because this bullpen is middle of the pack, maybe you know, a little bit above average in the SEC. But the amount of guys they have injured, I mean, and they're still number two in the nation. And, and you could say they're kind of lipping to the finish a little bit here. But I, you, you said it right there, Will. This bullpen has done just enough to, to where they, they don't, they're not necessarily a liability quite yet. But they're getting there to where, okay, if we get to, if we get past Maldonado, past McIlvain, and, and, you know, and then you get to guys that you don't really know a whole lot about, you know? And, and so that's, that's, I guess, one of the concerns we're looking at here. Yeah, I think we're really looking at overall this Vanderbilt pitching stuff, whether it's starting pitching or we're looking at this bullpen, is they're really, really top heavy. Um, and there is depth back there and there's talented depth, but it's not consistent depth. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the consistency really remains at the top. And Maldonado is slowly kind of shifted over into that closer role. And I believe his ERA right now is around 0. 0.66. So the, the dude has been pretty lights out, um, even though it hasn't gotten a lot of attention because he's kind of grown into that role later in the season. But once you get past that, you, you hit the nail on the head, Billy. There, there's just not a ton of consistent arms back there. Um, and that could be concerning if there was an injury bug to go around the Vanderbilt yeah. pitching staff more than what we've seen hitting these top guys that have kind of risen to the top. Because we've seen injuries and we've seen um, kind of some middle relievers set up guys going out. But mm -hmm. those guys at the top, Leiter, Riley, Maldonado, McIlvain, Rocker, they've stayed relatively healthy throughout right. this season. Um, right. Losing one of those guys, I don't know who they go to next to fill that key man role. Um, and that would just even put an even greater emphasis on the lack of real, true, consistent depth in this pitching rotation. Yeah, and I mean, no, you could talk, you could compare Vanderbilt to a team like maybe Ole Miss, and 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 they're probably pretty even. So I think we've just been blessed with the fact that Vander. I mean, we've taken it for granted. We've taken for granted the depth of pitching. Yes, they're younger. They, they're a lot younger this year. Uh, but again, we'll, we'll see. It'll be a good challenge this weekend down in Oxford. We'll talk a lot more about that one. But will an advantage for Vanderbilt? No, Gunnar Hoagland. I don't know how much of how much of him you've seen this year, but he's been the best. If not, he's been one of the best in the league, 
and you could argue he's been the best because of his, his stats and what he's been doing on Friday nights. Um, he's going to go top 10, maybe top five in the draft, but he tore his UCL uh, in his throwing elbow and he's done. He's done for the year. So uh, according to an Ole Miss spokesperson, he, uh, he will be undergoing Tommy John surgery, I think May 18th. So that, uh, you know, that doesn't allow him to finish the year, which is a bummer for them. But for Vanderbilt, that gives them a little bit of advantage. I don't know if they're going to move up their game two guy to game one or what they're going to do with Coach Mike Bianco. But um, like I said, Will, he's, he's a projected first rounder, and he had to leave against AM in the first inning because of the soreness. So, again, this is huge for Vandy because Hoagland's one of the best in the country. And if you can take game one, that's essentially, you know, I don't want to say that's taking the series, but game one, we, we've seen, Will, that gives you the momentum to take it through the rest of the series and say, Hey, we're going to win this series. So obviously huge loss, but for Vanderbilt, you know, now they got to capitalize. And and the question is, will they, um, you know, it should be fun to see Friday night. Yeah. It's a, that's a brutal, brutal blow to oh, the rebels down there. And, and it's extremely good for Vandy, but I can never look at an injury like that of a player of that caliber on another team, even if it is Ole Miss and it, see, know that Vanderbilt has experienced things like that in the past and yeah. Vanderbilt may be there. the one that has experienced the most of losing guys like that and Ole Miss we talk about them coming in they're not one of those top tier um, top five top uh-huh. six teams in the SEC but they're a damn good team and I believe last week they were ranked 12th in the country and this week they're ranked 18th coming in 33 and 14 so Losing that starting guy probably knocks them back and probably puts a huge is a huge deflator um, in their overall trajectory of their season when they're looking, maybe they can sneak in um, to one of those hosting a super regional possibly or hosting a regional possibly um, and possibly moving in um, and making a late run into super regionals and even into to, uh, Omaha. So seeing that blow for them, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Vanderbilt comes in and is able to, I don't want to say run through Ole Miss, but uh, baseball is a lot of a mental game and is. they lost their stud guy. It would be like Vanderbilt losing Kumar Rocker, and then all of a sudden they're expected to come out and compete um, against one of the best teams in the country, and and Vanderbilt's no slouch coming going down to Oxford. So um, <laughs> it'll be an interesting series to watch, and some of the intrigue from a pitching standpoint, if you're not a Vanderbilt or an Ole Miss fan, um, is kind of taken away from this series, unfortunately. Yeah, a lot of people wanted to see Hoagland and Rocker go at mm-hmm. it Friday night, um, but it, you, you know we'll still be able to see Rocker. Lighter is going to come back after a week off for Saturday. Um, so it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun series. You got, I think, two of them are on the SEC network. So there's going to be a lot of eyes on that one, especially because of the crowd down in Oxford. But we'll talk a lot more um, about that one later in the week. Will, got a few more things to hit on here. Vanderbilt did just play a game at the Hawk. Uh, they beat a tough one against Northern Al- North Alabama. And North Alabama is, I think I saw their record. I think they're 7-28 and 28 or something like that. And Vanderbilt had a tough time with uh with north alabama tonight dom keegan had an rbi uh to send carter young home to give vanderbilt the lead that ultimately uh was the game-winning run vanderbilt now 35 and 10 on the year they uh won their 22nd straight midweek game at home so uh, vanderbilt has stayed hot at home in the midweek we won't dwell too much on that obviously good win for vanderbilt we'll talk more about the Ole Miss series but will this is a little bit of a sneak peek talk time now of the football locker rooms. Now, I really want to – well, I mean, we can pull up a picture now, but the guy who found it I think was a high school football coach, 
and was visiting and, you know, getting, given, getting toured around and he ends up, you know, sneaking <laughs> a picture of the, they're not done yet, but he snuck a picture of the, of the locker rooms and it's real. It's, it looks a lot different than anything they've ever had. Uh, just a little bit of a sneak peek for the people who haven't taken a look at the picture we posted on our account with the eye emoji. There's an anchor down font font right above. It looks like potentially a recliner, uh, but it just looks like a really comfortable chair. Um, and and it, I'm getting a lot of the LSU locker room vibes, um, just just the quality and, and what, you know, all the amenities that these players are going to have that they've never had before. They damn well didn't have them in high school. And Vanderbilt's never had them um, ever. So it's a little bit of a sneak peek, but, Will, it's exciting. And I think we're getting just a little – we're taking a little nibble of what, uh, of what that locker room might be like. And, and boy, it's going to be fun to see, see that open up. Yeah, Vanderbilt is never going to compete as far as just tick for tack the facilities of other SEC programs like LSU. They, this locker room is is going to be LSU-esque in that by the same design, but it's not going to be that size, that amount of money, that amount of input. It's just not in the cards for Vanderbilt. Not just saying money or investment from the university, just sheer space that Vanderbilt has to work with. It's never going to be at other SEC programs. So you have to look at it from the perspective of Vanderbilt needs to bring their facilities, their staff, their university commitment to the level that it's not a deterrent for guys coming here and recruits coming here. It's not necessarily going to be the reason that guys are not going to be committing ever to Vanderbilt, no matter what they do because of facilities, because of the stadium, because of the special treatment they get on campus, because of all the amenities that are offered by that football program or basketball program. But what it can do is it doesn't have to be a barrier to improving the talent on that campus and improving the quality of player that that Clark Lee and staff are able to bring in. And I think that's what this little quick snippet, sneak peek, secret picture, however he got it, um, shows. Credit to that, that guy, man. Yeah, credit <laughs> to him. He's that the real the, MVP. That, yeah, <laughs> that, the, that this locker room is going to kind of symbolize that that's no longer going to be a barrier to a coaching staff coming into Vanderbilt and this new regime under Clark Lee, that they're going to be able to compete and at least bring guys in um, and impress with what they have on that campus there alongside the improvements to the actual football program. And, and like you just said, this is all part of what Clark Lee had been discussing with Candace Lee coming in. He said, if we don't get this, I'm likely not coming here. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know if he said it like that, but you gotta, you gotta believe that Clark Lee was asking for that and, and he und- ended up getting it. Um, and we've talked a lot about it. Uh, you know, we talked all about coach Lee at the beginning, but uh, he's been making his rounds. I know he was on uh, Outkick 360 today, and he's been doing a lot of interviews locally, and everyone's impressed. Everyone's come away impressed, and, and so I can't wait to see, uh, like you and everyone else, uh, what he's able to bring, and especially in the fall. Uh, fall camp is going to be a fun time of the year, uh, all waiting for ETSU on the 6th, I think, of, uh, of September. So it's going to be fun. Will, coming up, we've got Mitch Light. Uh, he is college foot, covers college football for – the athletic, we uh, struggle a little bit the with athletic. that coming up. Uh, the athletic coming straight from his mouth, he ended up telling us. Uh, so we <laughs> need to lo- do a little bit more research uh, for him next time. But yeah, it was a good talking to Mitch, and he provided a lot on the baseball team. And kind of, we talked a lot about the trajectory of how much they've grown, especially social media wise. So, uh, well, I think you know a lot of people are going to really like this. 
Yeah, Billy, we started off hot on the interview with you uh, having a little error in the research. I said, hey, don't worry, we'll we'll put our massive um, research department and interns on top of it next time. So we, we'll be sure to not make that error again. But yeah, Mitch, Mitch uh, is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to college baseball in general and specifically Vanderbilt. Um, and this is a really good conversation going into depth of, you know, the, the recent struggles of this um, vaunted or vaulted uh, Vanderbilt Commodore pitching duo. Mm -hmm. And I, if I can get on one soapbox really quickly before we close out this segment go. one. Let's do it. We need to, as a Vanderbilt fan base who has with the Vandy boys behind them, the power to push college baseball forward. College yes. baseball is criminally undercovered by ESPN specifically who has rights to these games. The things that they are broadcasting on those channels and at the front of the ESPN app is tragic women's compared lacrosse? to these yeah, yeah, women's lacrosse, men's lacrosse, women's bowling, whatever it may be. There are people, it's the same thing they did with FCS football. For whatever reason, they refuse to push these more secondary sports. And I consider FCS football, NCAA baseball, kind of on that same yeah. amount of tier of probably overall following. Uh -huh. In that I don't understand why they will not push these to the forefront. ESPN doesn't even track stats for all college baseball yeah, that, games, that's which the is unbelievable. Part. You yeah. can't find box scores. You can't find it in the app. I specifically go into that to find the Vanderbilt game and have to search Vanderbilt Commodores baseball. Yeah. Um, and that's a that's that's just bad on ESPN's part. And it's not in tune with what people want. And it's why their network is slowly dying and losing losing viewership. But on to Mitch Light. <laughs> um, who is an incredible time to talk with. Let's talk uh, about the athletic. Jack. Yeah, let, yeah, let's talk about the athletic. Um, <laughs> we'll get back off the ESPN rant there. But yeah, this is an incredible listen for Vanderbilt fans. And, and when we're gearing up for postseason play and looking forward to um, Tim Corbin and the boys making a run there, and, and he provides some insight there. Um, no doubt about it. Mitch Light, the Vanderbilt, the Vanderbilt graduate, was able to bring us home on this episode. Thank you for listening to segment one. We'll continue on here. Mitch Light coming right up here on the Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Before we get to the interview with Mitch Light, it's now time to send it over to Gary Scales for a few words in our presenting sponsor, Alaco Fine Wood Floors. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flowing job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. Welcome back into the Door Report. Presented by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. I'm joined by Will Byram. We're back together for... Uh, another episode. It's been, seems like a couple weeks since we have been together for an interview, but we do have a special guest here on the latest episode. His name is Mitch Light. He's the managing editor over at Athlon Sports. He, um, sir, sir, Mitch, I, I hate saying this, but do you, are you still working as a sideline reporter over at Vanderbilt football? So you're 0 for 2, Billy. No longer at <laughs> Athlon Sports, but I know you you have introduced me since then. Oh, the athletic, the athletic. Yes. Oh, well, man. I can't fault you 100% because sometimes when people ask me my Twitter feed, I still say Athlon Mitch. So, um, <laughs> but I do know Twitter. where I work, which is... the Twitter username. Yeah, I, I know where I work, which is more important than you knowing where I work. So that's good. So <laughs> yeah, I'm a we, college we have, football we... editor at The Athletic, and I am no longer... 
the sideline reporter um, had a seven and a half year run, I think, which was great. Enjoyed it. Uh, but kind of my job responsibilities at the athletic uh, as a college football editor kind of yeah. uh, glued to the couch on Saturdays now. <laughs> hey, there's good things to that. And uh, I think we're, well, we're just going to get the guests to say uh, where they were from now on because yeah, uh, we'll start putting cannot, that pressure on us. This cannot be happening. Yeah. Um, we do have Mitch lights um, on the podcast and Mitch, I want to start with, uh, with the Vandy boys. Uh, this is prime time uh, for Vanderbilt baseball right now. And, as a Vanderbilt sports fan, this is uh, this is kind of what you live for, unless um, you know the basketball team is hot and the football team has success. But recently, it's been baseball, and uh, you know you know that uh, you know you've been watching a lot of baseball. Your son had a baseball game today, so it's kind of that time of year. And I want to ask you about uh, just how, how how much you've been able to watch this team and, and what you have seen and the differences of this year's team and from the team two years ago that uh, that won it all in, in 2019. So I guess overall, what uh, what uh, what have been your impressions? Yeah, I've seen, you know, most of most of the games um, went to the uh, Alabama game Saturday, did not go Friday night, but watched it. Um, basically, uh, I've seen most of the SEC games except the Florida series. I was uh, just had things going on with the kids, son's baseball games and some work stuff going on. So, yeah, it's, you know, obviously a very, very good team. That's sort of like the baseline of Tim Corbin's team, especially in the past, you know, 10 years. There's going to be a baseline of outstanding talent. Just how does that talent come through? What are the strengths and weaknesses? I mean, I think going into the season, I would have told you this was probably the deepest pitching staff on paper of the Tim Corbin era with star power at the top and incredible depth. Now we have still seen the star power at the top for the most part. You know, obviously the the, the struggles of, of Jack Leiter recently have been, you know, been discussed, but still clearly have two of the best pitchers in the country, but do mostly because due to injury, we have not seen that. Uh, the depth that we thought, but we kind of are seeing the depth because they're still the number two team in the country. And they can have a guy like Patrick Riley in an emergency start through seven innings of two hit ball against yeah. Alabama. Um, just not the, you know, Laboki I thought was one of the best pitchers in college, probably in college baseball early last year before the shutdown. And then, you know, obviously guys like, you know, Miles Garrett being hurt, you know, if you're a Vanderbilt fan, you know, all the guys that, that are out, Ethan Smith hasn't been available. So um, a very, very good team that is getting by well getting by is not fair but but still winning games despite some, some significant injuries just getting by they're uh, they yeah, by. <laughs> yeah. number two in the nation um yeah. i do you mentioned it though there mitch rocker and lighter um you kind of answered it yourself you know you, i think you just said they they they're the best one-two punch in college baseball history um and there should be a really cool um it's not quite 30 for 30 but feature that kyle peterson's doing on them it's really looking forward to watching um but it, so lighter, you know, rocker has been rocker, uh, but lighter has not necessarily been the lighter of the first few weeks of the SEC season. He was rolling through Mississippi State, LSU, teams like that. Um, we're talking to uh, Teddy Cahill from Baseball America tonight, and he just said, uh, you know, they figured him out. And and this is this happens. You know, it happened to Sonny Gray. It happened to David Price. So um, I guess what can Vandy fans expect to see from him this weekend in Oxford, and what are some – I guess, signs of improvement that uh, that you might want to look for. Yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be a big start for Jack, the, the week off, and you hopefully they figured some things out. And, you know, I'm not enough of a uh, X's and O's or a mechanics pitching guy to tell you, you know, what exactly is going wrong. I just kind of know he's given up far too much hard contact for what we saw earlier and just giving up a lot of home runs and, 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 and you know, walking some guys there. Um, you, you know, if he, is, if he is on, he's one of the best pitchers in the country, but you know, I think Tim Corbin has said this, and it kind of sounds like an excuse, but it's true. Like all of his other elite pitchers have 
kind of had the opportunity to kind of just kind of work their way through the freshman years. Maybe some started, you know, or some yeah. relief. You know, Carson Fulmer was a reliever. Then by the middle of his sophomore year, worked into the right the, the rotation. Jack Leiter had what like three or four weeks last year, and then he got all the offseason hype, deservedly so. Got off to a great start this year. He hasn't really had that time to work through struggles and he's doing it right now. So if you're from a Vanderbilt perspective, you hope through, he's working it, hope that he is working it out. He still has great stuff. Uh, but I think we'll, you know, not going to sit here and say that if he gives up four runs and five innings against Ole Miss, it's like, Oh no, he's not going to be good this year because you just never know start to start. But I think it would be a great sign for Vanderbilt fans. If he could go out there and throw maybe six, seven innings and, and you know, you don't expect anyone to, to know hit anyone, but six, seven innings, four hits, couple of runs, that'd be a great sign. Yeah, it seems a little abnormal with this Vanderbilt team. I mean, all it seems we talk about are is this starting pitching rotation alongside Enrique Bradfield stealing 100% of bases, it seems like. But let's go over to the bats. Um, do you think this Vanderbilt team right now, I believe they're hitting a shade under 300 as a team. Um, do you think these bats are enough to carry them through all the way into Omaha and making a run there? Yeah, one thing I like about the lineup, Will, is its depth. Um, does not have... You know, Bradfield's, you know, especially after last week's having, having a great year. Carter Young, from a home run standpoint, is his average actually in SEC play isn't great. But I think it has uh, – nothing's going to compare to that 2019 offense. That was just, you know, one of the better in college baseball. But comparing this offense to other Tim Corbin offenses, I think this one has a lot more depth in throughout the lineup and depth. We saw that this past weekend. Um, Troy Leneve comes in and hits the ball hard all weekend. Cooper Davis, after stepping aside for a week, weekend didn't play much looked was hitting the ball much harder you got guys like spencer jones uh, against especially against right-handers can come in and so i you know it's not like one of those things where oh it's the top of the order two three four this is the inning you need to get them in like i think I, i'd love to look at the numbers my, my guess is vanderbilt's scoring runs when seven eight nine you know are up or right. you, you're watching you feel just as confident in the bottom of the order as the top of the order i would agree so yeah i think yeah, yeah i think it's got some some really good depth to it yeah, I mean, Jason Gonzalez is your nine-hole hitter. That's that's uh, that's not easy for any pitching staff, and it's not going to be easy for Ole Miss, Mitch. I'm sure you heard Gunnar Hoagland, their ace, is is uh, he's he tore his UCL, uh, but he's still going to undergo Tommy John surgery, and so no uh, no Hoagland on Friday night uh, in Oxford. That'll be huge. I mean, that's a huge loss. Uh, big advantage for Vanderbilt. Tough loss for Ole Miss. Um, how, how much do you think that impacts them? Because he's their ace, obviously. It's like Vanderbilt losing Rocker and and. Um, how much of an advantage do you think that gives Vandy? Because um, Ole Miss is a top 25 team, but not quite up there in the top echelon of the SEC, like you know, like Vandy and Arkansas are. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no doubt. You lose Gunnar Hogan in the top 10 MLB draft pick, it just, it hurts. Not, you know, not only do you lose that Friday, you lose the Friday night guy. It's just you're moving everybody up a spot, so your Saturday guy isn't, you know, as good. You're, you, then you got to, I don't know what their options are on Sunday, whether it's going to be a bullpen, or whatever. But there's no doubt, you know, they can hit the ball. Uh, I saw, I think it was their Saturday game against uh, at, at Texas A&M. They got some big boys in that team. Looks like some softball players uh, on that team. So going to Oxford is always, uh, you know, Vanderbilt. I'm just, I, I remember uh, one year they swept in there fairly recently, but they've had some struggles in, in Oxford. It's it's always a tough place to play. So it's really. It's a another opportunity for Vanderbilt to kind of I, I think a lot would have to go wrong for Vanderbilt not to be a national seed. But if they can go down there, you just if somehow you win two of three games, you really cement yourself as a top two or three seed, no matter what happens. And I, I think that's important because let me jump ahead here, too, because, you know, I, I think a lot of people 
after the Florida series, people are like, okay, you know, this team's not playing its best ball. But you, Florida's, I don't care what they're ranked, they're top five talent. They're preseason number one, yeah. Yeah, so you, you get through that stretch of Mississippi State, Tennessee, and in, 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 uh, Florida, those are really, really good teams, obviously. So if you cement yourself as a top two or three national seed, and, they, and the committee does the true S-curve, which they're supposed to do now. We don't know this year because of COVID if they're going to try and regionalize a little bit more. But in theory, in a super regional, like the best team on paper you're going to face is like the 13th, 14th, or 15th best team. So the point being, they're not going to see a team, even in the super regionals, as talented as that little triumphant they went through. So right. I think it's important to really cement themselves as a top two or three seed, not fall down and, and be in that five, six, seven range. I'm not saying that would happen, but uh, so I think it's an important series for that in that regard. Man, you look at the schedule that every SEC team has to face and it, and it brings the question to mind uh, when you look at traditionally, everybody looks at SEC football as, you know, the most dominant conference in any sport across the land. But we, you can make a case that SEC baseball is tremendously more dominant in recent years than SEC football has. And I don't even think you have a case on the other side. Um, but is this year specifically um, with the SEC throughout most of the season having at least four of the top five teams and at one point having, I believe, all five of the top teams? And we're talking about Ole Miss is a little bit of a lighter series this upcoming weekend. They're coming in at number 18 in the country, 33 and 14. I believe they were ranked number 12 last week. Is this the best year overall of SEC talent that we've seen in baseball? I know that's a tough question. Yeah, that's it's interesting because I, I think there's two ways of looking at it. And I would love to ask the coaches with some truth serum what they really say, not the standard answer. Oh, it's a, you know, SEC. Like, because you look at the records, there are, it's, the top is, this is clearly the top, the best the top has ever been. I don't think you can argue that. The most elite teams. But now the bottom, you know, Auburn struggling from a record standpoint. They have a lot of, a lot of close losses. Missouri, uh, Texas A&M out of nowhere struggling. So, like, I don't know if those teams just aren't as good as the bottom of the SEC usually is, or is it because the top is so good they're beating those teams? And like that's where like a coach or someone who's been around a lot longer could say, well, that that's the reason. You know, Auburn's won, lost so many close games; they win three or four more, maybe they're five hundred. But uh, it does seem like that there are more teams. There's more of a haves and have-nots in the SEC than there usually is this year. Yeah, it's really ridiculous thinking about how a lot of these teams that you just mentioned, Auburn has been kind of middle of the pack. A&M has been a really good team. They've been a top 10 team. And and it's it's almost as if this team this year in the SEC could be even better than it is right now, which is yeah, Auburn scary. was in Omaha two years ago. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, it's Auburn scary. was in Omaha. I saw them, mm -hmm. I saw them in, in Omaha two years ago. And that yeah. just tells you that a little tangent, that kind of gets you to appreciate what Vanderbilt has done under Tim Corbin more, the oh. consistency mm -hmm. of yeah. – being in that top 10 almost every year. Auburn, that just shows you Auburn, Omaha to, to, to outside the tournament. Texas A&M has been, they've got a long streak going. They're not going to make the tournament this year. So you really appreciate the consistency. No doubt. And, and I do want to ask about Tennessee. Uh, obviously, it's a Vandy podcast, but that series was really fun to watch. And it was something that kind of brought the Tennessee-Vandy rivalry back somewhat because Tennessee, at least for Van on the Vandy side, uh, you know, it, it just hadn't really been games that you, you want to get up and watch, um, you know, especially even football last year. But how, how much do you think that helped um, this the college baseball in the state of Tennessee and, and Vanderbilt? Because I know we talked about Jared Stillman's take. Damn it, Billy. <laughs> Jared Stillman basically said, does you know? Well, he stated that it that it helps Vanderbilt, right? He he was saying how 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 Tennessee is 
you know, being a top five team helps Vanderbilt. And we just kind of said, you know, that's blatantly wrong. It's, there's no chance that this. Well, I believe his phrasing of it was this Vanderbilt, Tennessee to be good in baseball, right, to be relevant. Right. That was how he phrased it. Right. It does there's, help. <laughs> there is a lot of ways to approach it and phrase things. Does Vanderbilt mm -hmm. need Tennessee? No. Clearly they do not because they've won two national championships. Now, I think I didn't hear him say it, but I think what he meant was probably from a media standpoint and attention on the sport. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that was – I went to Knoxville. I took my son to Knoxville with some buddies. Oh, Saturday. Like, that was probably a treat. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, Vanderbilt lost the game, but it was fun. You know, it was fun, <laughs> good, good atmosphere, and – it's it's better i will say it's better for the sport when ten, especially in the state when tennessee is better it, but does it affect vanderbilt yeah i guess it does in that regard because maybe there's a little bit more media attention but vanderbilt's doing just fine on its own from a yeah. local media standpoint and a national i mean no program gets more national exposure in the past five years than vanderbilt i don't mm -hmm. care no. so so to say that vanderbilt needs tennessee you know, just listen to any national baseball podcast. They talk about Vanderbilt more than any other team. So right, I, I right. kind of understand the point. The phrasing wasn't exactly accurate. Yeah, maybe we were thinking about getting him on the podcast. We might have to get some clarification there. But um, I do want to ask about, uh, lastly here, just you, you touched on it, Vanderbilt's recognition as a baseball program and, and how it's kind of developed. Because five years ago, there were not this many eyes on Vanderbilt baseball. And obviously a lot has happened in five years of Vanderbilt baseball. And, you know, they got the two best pitchers maybe in college baseball history. Um, but how much do you think their social media presence and what they've done um, on Twitter, Instagram, and kind of connecting with the younger population while also staying true to their roots and, and, and looking at their fan base and saying, Hey, these, these diehard Vanderbilt fans of, of, you know, typically older ages are in love with, with these teams, but, I think the younger audience ha has been huge for them because I've got brothers, you got a son and, and I mean, Vanderbilt baseball is the talk of the town. And so how, how much do you think that has grown and kind of how do you think they have gone about developing it in, in a way that that has been effective? Well, yeah, no doubt they've had a great social media presence and uh, the, the brand has slowly developed. You know, there's been, you know, you, you could probably chart it, you know, starting in 2004, yeah. a little bit of blip. Then 2007 with that David Price and then up to the first Omaha season. And I think it really took off in 14 with Dansby Swanson. I, I think he was just so popular. Um, yeah. Handsome man. You know, he was, you know, <laughs> all the ladies loved him. And, um, and they, but that team had a lot of character to Carson Fulmer. And I was listening to Chris Burke um, on the, I don't know if you guys ever listened to the Love Great guy. podcast. Yes. Yeah. Burke is phenomenal. Uh, I think he's as good as at his job as, as an analyst as any analyst as there is in, in sports. But mm -hmm. he said he thinks the two most since he's been covering the sport, you know, since he got out of the major leagues, the two most famous college baseball players since in the 10 years are lighter and rocker. He said after that, it's Dansby Swanson. Mm -hmm. So Vanderbilt has three of the, in this guy's mind, and this guy went to a rival school of Vanderbilt, uh, of Vanderbilt yeah. Tennessee. He says, so I think that tells you all you need to know about the branding. And no, I agree. Like they are a, Vanderbilt's a national baseball program. I have a good friend who lives in uh, LA. Well, no, I, I actually, when I went to the Vanderbilt Long Beach State Series, when my son was a bat boy, he was a bat boy out there. And there was, there was Vanderbilt people there watching, not, not family members. There were just, I could tell high school kids who were Vanderbilt baseball fans. Uh-huh just watching Vanderbilt at Long Beach State. I got a friend who lives near UCLA. He says, when Vanderbilt plays at UCLA, there's a ton of Vanderbilt fans there. Sure, there's some so, alumni there, parents, families and stuff, but there's just because of what they become, there are Vanderbilt baseball fans 
you know, yeah. around the country just because of the, the the presence they have. Yeah, it really is crazy. I mean, the 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 ad the added degree of of I guess you know um, cachet of being a Vandy commit just seems like you know it's it's like being a Duke basketball commit, and it's similar yeah. to Alabama football. It's where they're at right now, and and, and it's really um, I think for Vandy fans something that that we've kind of grown to come accustomed to and kind of take for granted. I think a lot of us so. Um, you know, we'll have to see how long Corbin, uh, you know, sticks it out. And, and you know, I, I don't see him retiring anytime soon. I don't know about you, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's the retiring type. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be out there as long as he can walk. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Mitch, thanks again for coming on. We got Vanderbilt Ole Miss coming up this weekend. Uh, obviously, um, Mr. Light is busy with, uh, with his son playing. What age group is that? Oh, he's a junior in high school. Uh, oh, he's so getting up there. He's getting old. I'm getting old. He plays for MLK. Um, okay. Um, so they're in their their, their district tournament tonight. Okay. So uh, that going got that going on all week. Good luck to them, and uh, and obviously Mitch, good luck uh, over at the Athletic. They got it right this time. That, that's tremendous show research there. <laughs> Courtesy of Mitch Light himself. Mitch, thanks. Hey, if you, if you guys on. get someone like really important on like Chris Burke, find out where he works first. Okay, he might hang up on you. We'll get our interns on it. Yeah, okay. I, I'm too nice. I'm not going to hang up on you guys. We're, too nice. <laughs> We're not going to pull a Dan Wolken on us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mitch, thanks again, man. Okay. Take care, See guys. Ya. See ya. Well, that does it for episode 83 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Big thanks to Mitch Light. He covers college football for The Athletic. He's a graduate of Vanderbilt University, so he's well-versed in the athletics sphere over there on West End. We talked Vandy boys. It was good checking up with him. For myself, Billy Derrick, Will Byram, the co-host, and Mitch Light, You've been listening to episode 83 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors.